Chaitanya Prabhupada Shri Dvaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gaur Bhaktivinda Kija Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopina Shaimakunda Radha Kunda Giddy Govardhana Kija Vrindavan Dhamma Kija Matura Dhamma Kija Nabhadrita Mayapur Dhamma Kija Jagannath Puri Dhamma Kija Gangamaya Jamuna Devi Kija Bhakti Devi Kija Tulsi Maharani Kija Samaveta Bhaktivinda Kija Gaur Premanande All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees all glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Vishnu Prasaya Bhutale Sri Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Namane. Namaste Sarasvati Deve Gauravani Patroni Nivasesis and Nivadi Paskatiade Satane. Bandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Padakamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavamscha. Shri Rupam Sagratatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitam Sam Sajivam Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitam Shta Panchakapati Vistaki Visnaviyavatap Dijanam Pavanavya Vaishnavi Mumma Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya It's October 25th, 2016 and Sant in South Africa we're reading from Canto 1, Chapter 17, Punishment and Reward of Kali, Text 33. Navartitavyam tada dharma bando. Navartitavyam tada dharma bando. Dharma na satjena chavartitavye. Dharma na satjena chavartitavye. Brahma varte yatraya janti agnair. Yagne Shram Yagya Vitana Vigna. Na. Not. Vartitavyam. Deserve to remain. Tat. Therefore. Adharma. Irreligiosity. Bando. Friend. Dharmena. With religion. Satyena. With truth. Cha. Also. Vartitavye, being situated in Brahma Avarte, place where sacrifice is performed. Yatra, where Yajanti, duly performed. Yagnai, by sacrifices or devotional services. Yagya Ishvaram, under the Supreme Lord, the Personality of Godhead. Yagya, sacrifice. Vitana, spreading. Vignaha, experts. Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. Therefore, O friend of irreligion, what a name for somebody. <laughs> you do not deserve to remain in a place where experts perform sacrifices according to truth and religious principles for the satisfaction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Purport. Yagyeshwar, or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the beneficiary of all kinds of sacrificial ceremonies. Such sacrificial ceremonies are prescribed differently in the scriptures for different ages. In other words, sacrifice means to accept the supremacy of the Lord and thereby perform acts by which the Lord may be satisfied in all respects. 
The atheists do not believe in the existence of God, and they do not perform any sacrifice for the satisfaction of the Lord. Any place or country where the supremacy of the Lord is accepted and the sacrifices performed is called Brahmavarta. There are different countries in different parts of the world, and each and every country may have different types of sacrifice to please the Supreme Lord, but the central point in pleasing Him is ascertained in the Bhagavatam, and it is truthfulness. The basic principle of religion is truthfulness, and the ultimate goal of all religions is to satisfy the Lord. In this age of Kali, the greatest common formula of sacrifice is the Sankirtan Yagya. That is the opinion of the experts who know how to propagate the process of Yagya. Lord Chaitanya preached this method of Yagya, and it is understood from this verse that the sacrificial method of Sankirtana Yagya may be performed anywhere and everywhere in order to drive away the personality of Kali and save human society from falling prey to the influence of the age. Navartitavyam tara dharma bando dharma na satchena chavartitavye brahma vate yatra yajanti yagyarya neshura yagya vitana vignaha. Therefore, friend of irreligion, you do not deserve to remain in a place where experts perform sacrifices according to truth and religious principles for the satisfaction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is a very, very deep purport. Um, it's, it's the kind of purport. I mean, all of Srila Prabhupada's purports are deep and multifaceted with multi-meanings, uh, but that this purport just struck me as, as something that was extraordinary among the extraordinary <laughs> as, as far as how deep one could go into it and how, one, how deeply one could apply it. So this verse is full of the word yagya, uh, about sacrifice, and Krishna is called yageshwaram, the controller of sacrifice. So I think we're here because we want to see God and know God, yes? That's what we're doing here. We would love to see God, we'd love to talk to God face to face, have a relationship with him. This is the main quarrel of the atheists. I can't see God. Prabhupada talks about the atheists in this purple. So how will one find God? So there's such a nice verse in the Bhagavad Gita. I think it's 315. Sarvagatam Brahma, Nitya Yagya Pratistitam. Sarvagatam. Everywhere. It goes everywhere. Brahman is everywhere. God is everywhere. This was a conversation between Prahlad and Hiranyakashipu. Where is God? Oh, he's everywhere. Well, that really helps me. He's everywhere. How, what do I... Is he here? You know, is he in this pillar? How do you find him? Nitya yagya pratistitam. Nitya means eternally. Yagya, sacrifice. Pratistitam. Stita means place. Like nishta means to be fixed. It's related to the English word for stay and stable. So you're always going to find God where there is yagya. Now here he's called yagishwara, and Prabhupada translates this in the translation, just as the personality of Godhead, and in the purport, he says, the beneficiary of all kinds of sacrificial ceremonies. But we could also say that the Lord is a supreme sacrificer. He is found in sacrifice. Now, this may seem very interesting because we say that God is Satchit Ananda, and that we are all ananda maya biasat. The basic principle of life, Prabhupada said in South America, is ananda or happiness. And sacrifice seems to be the antithesis of happiness. When we say sacrifice, we usually mean that you're doing something difficult and painful. You're, you're giving up some kind of happiness. Isn't that what sacrifice generally means? Sacrifice means I'm, I am giving up, I am relinquishing, I am renouncing 
something that would be happy. So how can this supreme be the Yagishvara? And you could say, well, that means everybody else gives up what makes them happy for him. Which kind of makes him sound like some kind of a despot. But he is found in sacrifice. So what, what does this mean exactly? And if we think about what is the greatest happiness? The greatest happiness is found in love. The greatest happiness is not found in just simply gross sensory pleasures. There are many people who have lots of gross sensory pleasures and they're not happy. Right? We were just talking about somebody like that today. He gave up his family in order to start some kind of a gross sensory illicit sex place. And he said, I, I got all the gross sense gratification that I wanted, but I, my heart is empty because there's no love. I've lost, my, I've lost the love. And this is true across the board. We see very rich people or very powerful people or big criminals who get a lot of sensory happiness. And they say, you know, my life is, is empty. A lot of the big rock stars, some famous rock star who said like that, you know, by the time I was 22, I had all the happiness in the world, but my life was empty. So it's not gross sensory happiness that's the greatest happiness, nor even mental happiness. Mental, the main mental happiness is I'm great. That's the, main, that's the primary mental happiness. Other people telling us we're great and us telling ourselves that we're great. I did that. Hankar, we said that first this morning. I'm the doer and I'm great. And everyone else, you're great, you're great, you're great. But that doesn't give ultimate happiness. First of all, we know deep down inside that we're not great. In fact, it's called the pretender syndrome that we all know somewhere that actually I'm not as great as everybody else says I am or that I say that I am. So that's not the ultimate source of happiness. So if sensory happiness is not ultimate happiness and mental happiness is not, what is, ha- what is really happiness? It's, it's love. Having a loving relationship. And Prabhupada says in the preface of Nectar Devotion that even the animals want a loving relationship. I mean, even very low creatures like ants and bees, they have love within their colony, isn't it? Some feeling of affection. There's a lot of research. There's a, a book that's come out. I haven't read it. I've read excerpts from it called The Secret Life of Trees and how trees communicate with each other. And they warn each other there's an enemy. and, and how they, they, they have some relationship. There's a social life among trees. So what we really want is love. And how do you demonstrate love? How do you know that someone loves you? <coughs> yeah, they sacrifice for you. If someone says, I love you, but they're not willing to do any sacrifice for you, This is why we say boyfriend-girlfriend love is meaningless. Boyfriend-girlfriend love is, you know, I'm hanging around with you, but as soon as you do something I don't like, I'll I'll leave. The idea of marriage is I'm going to stay with you whether you're pleasing or displeasing at any particular moment. Isn't that correct? Even the ordinary vows, happiness and distress, wealth and poverty, sickness and health, I'm going to be here for you. So there's one devotee that keeps writing me emails that's one sitting in my inbox right now that I have this child who's very sick. She's always very sick and it's such a burden on my wife and I. This child must have been my enemy in a past life. And it's just making me detached from household life. I'm saying it's not making you detached, making you reverse. 
and, and, and the problem is something that the child isn't satisfying your senses. Instead of just having some cute little kid, you know, you're having someone you have to serve, you have to sacrifice for. And so you're thinking, no, 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 I don't want this. It's not pleasing for my sense gratification. My son-in-law's father, Shudikirti Prabhu, had a, a wife, Amekala, who got cancer. And in their marriage, they were very, very, a very happy married couple. They just loved each other so much. And then when she got cancer, all he had to do was serve her. She wasn't giving him any kind of material happiness anymore on any level whatsoever. And he had to serve her in the most, I mean, cleaning up her stool and urine, you know, she'd be, he'd, have, he'd say he'd have to follow her through the house cleaning up her stool and urine behind her. For a year and a half, he had to do service for her like that. And he said he came to the realization that to serve a Vaishnava is the most wonderful thing. He said, I stopped thinking of her as my wife. I started thinking of her, this is a Vaishnavi who I'm, I'm serving to please Krishna. So this is love. This is love. If you say, well, I love you as long as you're beautiful and healthy, and as soon as you're sick, I don't love you anymore. That's not love. That's just lust. And what's interesting is this real love for which we sacrifice brings us the greatest happiness. That's what fills us with happiness is sacrifice. Now, of course, when we sacrifice for our husband, our wife, our child, our dog, our country, we're not going to be filled with unlimited happiness. We'll get more happiness than if we just care about our mind and senses. That's a fact. I mean, even material love is much, much, much more satisfying than material sensory and mental happiness, without any doubt whatsoever. But it's not fully satisfying. It ends up being disappointing if I sacrifice myself for my spouse, my country, my child, because that person doesn't have the capacity to satisfy me completely. I'm still disappointed. So the ultimate sacrifice that will really completely satisfy us is a sacrifice for the pleasure of Krishna. What's interesting is when I sacrifice for the pleasure of Krishna, because Krishna is the paramatma of which I am the atma, he is the super self of which I am the self, when I sacrifice for him, I'm part of him. Do you, do you understand that? We have this idea materially that I'm part of a family, and so if I sacrifice for the family, I also benefit. Or I'm part of a religious organization, and if I sacrifice for the religious organization, I will also benefit. I'm part of this temple community. If I sacrifice for the temple community, I will also benefit. That is all, my dear friends, illusory. Be very careful of sacrificing for your local temple or even for your religious organization as a substitute for Krishna. A lot of the angry, bitter devotees we have in our movement were because they sacrificed for the wrong object. Does that make sense to everybody? It's a very subtle difference, but it's a real difference. It's being church-centered instead of being God-centered. Well, you sacrifice for your country because you think, I'm part of my country. But we're really part of God. So when we sacrifice for God, we enjoy what we sacrifice. As Prabhupada says, when you offer something to Krishna, Krishna isn't really the beneficiary, you are. Because Krishna's already unlimited, he already has it. What are you sacrificing for? You're only sacrificing for him something that's his. But when you sacrifice for him, you as a part of Krishna, we as a part of Krishna, we feel fully satisfied. Now, of course, if we have that mentality where I'm going to sacrifice for Krishna to satisfy myself, then it's not really a sacrifice for Krishna. That's kind of the catch-22. 
One has to sacrifice for Krishna only out of love, just for Krishna's happiness. And then one is, wow, I'm so happy. And then one really forgets about one's happiness because one is automatically so happy that one doesn't have to think about it anymore. Something like if you sacrifice for a company, a really good company, that pays your salary and gives you a nice place to work and gives you vacations, you don't have to think about what you need. You understand? Because they take care of it automatically. You can just give your heart to the company. Of course, materially, that doesn't really work. But just as an analogy, you know, if a man really takes care of his wife, she doesn't have to think about money. She doesn't have to think about her necessities. She can just serve her husband and her necessities are naturally automatically provided. Again, materially, that doesn't really work. Because materially, nobody can absolutely provide for us. But we have some idea of the concept. So what is it that Krishna wants us to sacrifice for him? What is the supreme sacrifice? And here Srila Prabhupada says something that is so deep. I mean, really, we could talk about this one sentence for the rest of our lives. There are different countries in different parts of the world, and each and every country may have different types of sacrifice to preem the Supreme Lord, but the central point in pleasing him is ascertained in the Bhagavatam, and it is truthfulness. And we see in the verse, if you go up to the Sanskrit, Satyana. Satyana means truthfulness. The essence of a sacrifice to the Lord in love, which pleases him, and gives us total satisfaction and is the highest kind of happiness, is truthfulness. And Shri Prabhupada says this in a sentence where he says the external forms of sacrifice from one country to another may be different. And in fact, he starts off the purport by saying that sacrificial ceremonies are different in the different ages. And that especially right now, it's the Sankirtan Yagya. So people who are sectarian tend to get caught up in the externals. So first of all, one needs to understand that real happiness is found in love. The essence of love is sacrifice. And the supreme object for whom we should sacrifice is Krishna. That, that's the first thing to understand. And if I sacrifice for Krishna, I will feel automatically fully satisfied without a separate endeavor to do so. In ordinary life, if I sacrifice for my husband, I also have to make some effort for my own happiness. Because my husband is not capable of fully fulfilling me. You follow? If you sacrifice for the religious institution, you have to also make a separate endeavor for your own sadhana. Otherwise, you're going to be swallowed up by the institution. That, that is a fact. You have to. Prabhupada said the highest principle is to serve others and higher to save others, and higher than that is to save yourself. It'd be very easy to just serve your temple or or, the, or ISKCON and you never have time to chant your rounds. That'd be really easy. If you just said yes to whatever was asked of you. You follow? You wouldn't have time to chant Hare Krishna. So you have to make some effort. I have to take care of myself. I have to take care of my own son. When you sacrifice for Krishna, it's not like that. You don't have to make any effort to take care of yourself. You don't have to reserve some of your energy to take care of yourself. Because yourself is part of Krishna. So when you sacrifice everything for Krishna, you're naturally taken care of. You can forget about yourself. So to understand that basic principle, that's the first principle. The highest happiness is love. The essence of love is sacrifice. The highest object of sacrifice is Krishna. How do we sacrifice for Krishna? Well, that's going to look different 
In other ages, it looked different. There's a, a purport in the, I think it's in the fifth canto, where Prabhupada says in other ages they were chanting different mantras. The particular way we're sacrificing for the Lord at this particular time is not an eternal principle, the external rituals of it, the external form of it. Do you follow what I'm saying? Sectarianism means you get very attached to the external form of the thing. You say the particular way in which we are performing sacrifice is in and of itself the essence of sacrifice. We confuse a principle in a detail. And we argue about, you know, what kind of drum we should use sort of thing. You understand? You know, we, we, we argue about those sort of things. Prabhupada says sacrifices are different in different countries. I mean, just before coming to South Africa, I was in the Muslim countries. I was in the UAE and, and Bahrain and Oman. And I really like that they have this five times a day call to prayer. It's wonderful. Just wonderful. I mean, everywhere, they have, you know, these mosques everywhere. And it's reverberating with this call to prayer five times a day. And I, you know, every time I'm, I'm and, and three of them correspond with the Gayatri times. So, you know, I always pick that time to say Gayatri. And my daughter and I, my daughter lived in Mayapur for a year. And there was, she was right by the edge of our ISKCON property and there was a mosque nearby. So she would also hear the call to prayer. And she said, Mata, why can't we do that for Gayatri? So that would be so nice if we did that for Gayatri. And everybody just stopped what they were doing and everybody just sat down and chanted Gayatri. So that's a kind of sacrifice. And we might say, well, it's not our kind of sacrifice. Oh, that's a different religion. I was just yesterday hearing Prabhupada saying people accuse him of trying to convert Hindus into, uh, Christians into Hindus and saying, what's the difference between converting Christians into Hindus and you're complaining that the, that the Christians have converted Hindus into Christians? Or Hindus into Muslims. Prabhupada says, no, no, we're not trying to convert anybody from one religion to another. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, don't hate the way the Lord is worshipped by foreigners. And again, in different ages, it's going to be different. We should not be uh, attached to the externals which are changing according to time, place, and circumstance as if they themselves were the principle. Now we should follow what's appropriate for our time, place, and circumstance. We shouldn't follow what's appropriate for Satya Yuga. It's like if we ate according to the way the demigods eat, we would get very sick. They only eat things cooked in ghee. You know, we, we wouldn't be able to handle it. Our gallbladder and our pancreas would go, Ah! Give me salad! <laughs> because we don't have a demigod body. I mean, Maybe we were demigods in a past life, but we can't eat like a demigod now. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we should follow the principle of sacrifice, the details of sacrifice for this age as given by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as given by Srila Prabhupada. We shouldn't follow the principles of other ages. And whatever system we've taken up, we should stick to it. Just like if you enroll in a university, then you follow the courses of that university. You don't just say, well, I think I'll follow them courses of that. Then you're never going to get your degree, right? Like the guy who digs a well just, you know, a few centimeters deep in all different places and never digs deep enough to find water. You have to stay with one teacher and one tradition deeply enough to find water. Now, of course, if your tradition only goes up to a certain level, you may go to another tradition to find a higher level. Right? Like Jesus said, I'm not teaching you everything. 
You understand? Jesus said, I'm not teaching you the highest thing. I'm not teaching you. So you can understand that Christianity is only going to take you to a certain point and you have to graduate and go to a higher institution of learning. But Srila Prabhupada says, I'm teaching you everything. So there's no higher, you know, this is already the postdoctoral study here. This is past PhD study. But whatever, whatever school you're in, one should be faithful to that school, one should be faithful to the time, place, and circumstance. But that's not the, the essence of the thing. Like Prabhupada said, we want to have a politician who knows Krishna consciousness. And someone said, oh, does that mean they have to be a member of the Hare Krishna movement? Prabhupada said, no. He said, they have to be God conscious. So it's like a mathematician, they have to know math. What university they learn math in is, is, is irrelevant. The fact is that they have to know mathematics. So what is the essence of sacrifice? If the particular form of sacrifice changes according to time, place, and circumstance, and changes according to the sampradaya, etc., what is the essence? And the essence is, what did Prabhupada say here? Truthfulness. Truthfulness. Was that surprising? Did you read that and go, huh? The essence of sacrifice is truthfulness. Does that mean the normal, ethical, moral concept of telling the truth? Well, okay. But that's not the kind of truthfulness that's being talked about here. We should do that too. We shouldn't be lying. Huh? That's not what it's talking about. Although if you're truthful, actually truthful, then you also are not going to be a liar, generally speaking. Although, sometimes, if you're fully truthful, by material standards, you will lie. Isn't that interesting? Like Maharaj Yudhisthira was asked to lie. So sometimes, if you're fully absorbed in truth, just like somebody who knows PhD-level mathematics may appear to violate the rules of mathematics for a five-year-old. You follow like we say to a five-year-old, you can't subtract a bigger number from a smaller number. You can't say two minus five. If the five-year-old writes two minus five, we say, no, that's wrong. But you can do two minus five. Yes? People do it all the time. It's called debt. <laughs> right? It's common. So someone who knows the truth of higher mathematics may appear to violate the truth of lower mathematics. That may happen. But generally, 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 even the higher mathematics follows the truth of lower mathematics. So when you have supreme truth, you don't, you're not a, a, a liar. <laughs> Although occasionally, on, on rare situations, you may do something which on the lower level seems like a lie. So what is this supreme truth? Satya. Sat also means what is eternal and what is real. This word sat means the eternal and the real. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, of that which is Eternal, there's no cessation. That which is not eternal, there's no endurance. Something that's not real, it, it's just some flickering, something. And something that's real, it stays. If it's real, it stays. What is it that's real and that's truthful that we are to have as the essence of our sacrifice? So I'm going to ask all of you. What is it that's real and true that is the essence of our sacrifice to Krishna? Our love. What else? What else is real and true? The holy name. The holy name, but we're not exactly sacrificing the holy name. Uh, 
all you're sacrificing your time to chant. You're sacrificing your time to chant, yes. Okay, but time... Well, in terms of the four valuable things that one can give in charity, the principle is your time. Next is your wealth. Next is your intelligence. And next is your words. So the holy name and organizing... Is, is, uh, is, facilities is all that involves all those four valuable things. That's a really helpful insight as far as practical external. That I'm sacrificing my time, I'm sacrificing my wealth, I'm sacrificing my intelligence, I'm sacrificing my words. But is that absolute truth? Uh, the object how you're actually utilizing those faculties. The object is, is what is absolute. So the holy name is absolute. Krishna is invested okay, in but, energy. Okay, so if we say the central point is truthfulness, so the central point in pleasing the Lord, so the holy name is the Lord. Yes. Okay, the holy name is the Lord. So when I'm absorbed in the holy name, how am I absorbed in the holy name as a sacrifice with the essence of it being truthfulness. You're asking to be engaged in the Lord's service. Okay. That what I'm asking for is service. I'm not asking for something else. My mood is of love and my mood is of service. Okay, good. Ask some other thoughts. Devotion. Devotion. Okay, good. Other thoughts. But did you see how the things you mentioned were external things? Time is time if you is stop there. You see, if yeah. You if you stop, stop, if that's all you have there. Yeah, but I was taking it further. So yeah, because yeah. so you could do that, and I know plenty of people who do that. You could take your time. You could have some sounds coming out of your mouth. You could be using your intelligence, and you could be spending your money, and there could be no truthfulness there at all. It could be a hundred percent pretense. We'll get to that in Manashiksha. To be completely pretentious. So what makes it real? What makes it true? There's love, there's devotion, there's service. And what else? Something else. It's just the sincerity. Sincerity. Okay, the, the word sincerity also implies that something is authentic, doesn't it? I think it's almost a synonym. I think sincerity and authenticity... They're, they're almost synonyms. So to say for it to be truthful needs to be sincere. It's, it, it, it's almost a tautology. Not exactly, but almost. Yeah. You see, without the detail, like the other sort of, yeah, aphorisms like love, like devotion, if they're not supported by detail, it seems to be rather vague and will of the wisp. So when you're actually trying to use your time, Okay, but we, but we, we're trying to go in this particular purport. Okay. We're going inside out. In other purports, you may be going outside in. This one, we're going inside out. Okay. This one, Prabhupada's saying, get the essence. He's saying, do the externals, which are going to be changing according to time, place, and circumstance. That's how you manifest the essence. Yes. If you just say, I have love, I have devotion and you don't manifest them in any kind of detail, that's useless. So therefore, Prabhupada's talking about the externals. And we did that. 
Now I'm going to talk about what the essence is. So if you go back to the externals, well, the way we're manifesting the essence is in these externals. Okay, but that was my second topic. I'm on my third topic. My first topic was the importance of sacrifice with Krishna's object. My second topic was the form of that sacrifice is changeable. The details are changeable. Third topic. What is the essence that doesn't change? So one of the things... Yeah. Uh, in terms of the essence and principles, how are they related? Then? Essence is a principle. So, time and those aren't principles? Not at all. Those are details. Must be. Because they're changing. Prabhupada said they're going to change from one country to another, and they're going to change from one yuga to another. So he's saying they're changing according to place, they're changing according to time. So it can't be a principle. Principle doesn't change according to place and time. The application of the principle changes according to place and time, but the principle, a principle is something that is always true. Okay. So, with regards, okay, like, yeah, Rupa Goswami gives the example, okay, accepting the shelter of a bona fide spiritual master, that's the principle. So, using your time in the Lord's service, how you use it may be different, but the fact that you have to use your time, wouldn't that be a principle? From a material perspective. Time doesn't exist spiritually. Time is the first element of material illusion. Whereas having a guru exists even in the spiritual world. All the residents of Vrindavan, they all have their leaders. Everybody has their, their leaders, everybody has their guide. I mean, there's time, there's Asta Kalila Lila in the spiritual world. So in one sense, there's the eightfold parts of the day. But there's not time in the way that we think of it at all, spiritually. The first thing, when Mahavishnu glances at Maya, that glance is, is Shiva, and it's also time. And it's time that awakens the modes of material nature. It's the beginning of material illusion. So to say, I'm going to use my time, there's two illusory things there. Actually, three illusory things use my time. All three of those are an illusion. Use is kartahamiti manyate. My is also kartahamiti manyate. Time is illusion. It's Shiva, which is the essence of false. He's the essence of false ego. So we may have to talk like that in general for people. But if you want to, if, right now we're coming to an essence. In, in, in normal conversation using normal words we have to say things like use your time nicely for Krishna but on a transcendental level that doesn't make the slightest bit of sense at all my time how is it my time I own time I don't own any time what time is mine people say to me Ermila I'm sorry for taking your time like, I don't have any time it's not my possession and time itself is an illusion. It's the, it's, it's the first manifestation of the false ego. And the idea that I'm using, that I'm the doer, is an illusion. I'm doing something with my time. That's not an essential principle. That's a material construct used to explain something transcendental to people in a non-transcendental state of consciousness. 
to translate something beyond conditioned life to people who are conditioned. How do you do this? You use your time. Oh, okay, I understand that. <laughs> I'm still looking for another essence, and I'll, I'll just get it because we're running out of time. So the, yes? It may sound simplistic, but surrender itself. Yes. Surrender. Yes, surrender. That's another essence. That's another eternal essence, is this mm-hmm. surrender. And Prabhupada would often say, Krishna consciousness can happen in a moment if you fully surrender. It's fascinating. It can happen in a moment if you fully surrender. I was at a devotee's house recently when they had a, there was a, a book uh, written by a woman who had a near-death experience where she merged into the Brahma Jyoti. Unfortunately, she felt her Brahman experience was supreme. But even more interesting was she said, I didn't want to stay in the Brahma Jyoti. I wanted to come back so I could have relationships with an illusion of separateness. And I thought that's exactly what Prabhupada says all the time. It's exactly what he says, that even if you attain the Brahman effulgence, you won't be happy there because there's no variety. She said, I didn't want to just be in a place where I was everybody and everybody was me. Isn't that interesting? She said, because in a place where I'm everybody and everybody is me, there was no possible, not possibility of relationships and exchange of love. She said, everybody just is love. You can't love. And that's exactly what Prabhupada says. In bhakti, there's I'm the lover and Krishna's the beloved and I am loving him. But in the Brahman, there's none of this lover, beloved, love. It's just love. <laughs> she said, I wanted to come back and have a material body and have an illusion that I'm separate from others so I could exchange relationships. You know? But why I brought this up is she said the reason that she went into the Brahma Jyoti is that she was very sick. And at a certain point she just fully surrendered. She was already an impersonalist. So when she fully surrendered, her fully surrender was to God as Brahman. But she said she fully surrendered. And I was thinking about, you know, generally when people die usually at the end of life, they're not fully surrendering. Usually at the end of life, they're going, because they're trying to hold on to that body and they're trying not to surrender and they're actually pulled out of their body by the higher entities. You know, so even at death, people don't fully surrender. But if a person fully surrenders, as soon as they fully, completely surrender then they're in touch with God. I mean, maybe if they only know God as Brahman, then they're only going to achieve the Brahman, which is unfortunate. But yeah, full surrender. Surrender of... What are we surrendering? Yourself, right? Basically, you're letting go of your false ego, and you're serving Krishna as yourself. You're letting go of the fault, which really the essence of truthfulness is, is who I am. The essence of pretentiousness is I am something other than what I am. Does that make sense to everybody? If I'm going to be fully authentic, I'm fully who I am. Of course, if you try to be materially authentic, you'll just be obnoxious. You you understand? Like this this character running for president in America right now. He says, "I'm I'm just authentic. And we can say, no, you're not. You're obnoxious. If you just say whatever you think... And whatever you feel from a conditioned platform, our thoughts and feelings on the conditioned platform are more or less nasty. Yes? Isn't it a fact? Sometimes less nasty. Sometimes more. But there's somewhere on the continuum of, of selfish. 
But that's not our real self. That's not being authentic. What's being authentic is we let go of all of all the things. I am a, you know, I am an African. I am a Chinese. I am male. I am female. I am a son. I am a daughter. I am a banker. I am a computer programmer. I am a devotee. <laughs> and, and there's giving up all of those things. And I am simply a servant of Krishna. I am a tiny servant of Krishna who loves him. That's true. I'm a little tiny fragmental part of God who's related in love and service. And I give my real self to Krishna. Now I'm also going to use my false self in Krishna's service because that's what I, you know, that's practical. Like you're driving a car, you're going to drive the car for Krishna. Like the idea of use your time for Krishna. That, that's practical. So I'm going to serve Krishna in this world a little differently if I'm male or female, or if I'm old or I'm young, or if I have children or I don't have children, or if I'm married or I'm going to renunciate. The external details of my service will be a little different according to my pretentious self. That's a pretentious self, yes? Correct? Yes? We're not any of those things. But that's what I got. I got this, you know, I have personally have a white female American old body. So I have to do service according to that body. I can't do service as if I was, you know, a 20-year-old male. It, it, I can't. It's not going to work. It would just be a joke. But that's not true. ultimate truthfulness. Ultimate truthfulness is giving myself to Krishna. Just using this body and mind for Krishna's service, that's Varnashram, that's good, that's okay. But that's not the essence of sacrifice. The essence of sacrifice is I give my real self to Krishna in full surrender and full love. That's the essence of sacrifice. And that can be done, it doesn't matter what planet you're on, it doesn't matter what kind of body you have, you can be a vulture in Ramlila. A vulture. You can be a dog in Chaitanya Lila. You can be an ex-prostitute in Chaitanya Lila. You can be anything. You can be a great demigod. You can be the ruler of the universe as Bali. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Are, are you from a high, Are you a Brahma? Are you a great Muni on a higher planet? Do you have mystic powers? Are you a human? Are you a human in, in Satya Yuga or, or Kali Yuga? Are you an animal? Are you a bird? Are you a tree? There were trees that Mahaprabhu liberated. That, that's irrelevant. Are you a, a bug? Prabhupada said if you offer a flower to the deity and there's a bug on the flower and the bug is kissing the lotus feet of the Lord, the bug is as good as the pujari. You don't say that too often the pujaris get offended <laughs> but you don't have any deities here so you don't have any pujaris so there's nobody to offend but that doesn't matter that's irrelevant and whether your external process is meditation in Satya Yuga your external process is big fire sacrifices or you're in this religious system or that religious system it doesn't matter if you fully surrender your real self and fully connect your real self to Krishna in love and devotion. That is sacrifice.
And what is the result? Prabhu said, you'll drive away the personality of Kali. In other words, all of our bad habits, all of our sinful tendencies, all of our struggles will be instantly gone. Just instantly gone. Without endeavor. Whereas we, when we make endeavor to get rid of our bad habits, we make endeavor to get rid of our bad mental habits, physical habits, emotional habits, it's not very successful, is it? Have you noticed this? You get rid of something, it comes back. You get rid of something, it comes back. So this is the essence of sacrifice and the particular method right now in the Kali Yuga is Sankirtan. By the way, this is true even in other religious systems. In pretty much all the religious systems, of all the bona fide religious systems of the world, their main means is some kind of prayer or song. You notice that? The main activity in every bona fide religious system at the present time is some sort of prayer. I mean, they may also they give charity and they have some sort of offering rituals, but primarily it's prayer. Where they're calling on some name of the Lord. At least they're saying, oh Lord, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> something, <laughs> some kind of name. It may be a secondary name, you know, whatever, but it's some kind of name of God. And this is the essential Sankirtan principle. So, only have three more minutes and we could say, why is the name of God the most effective sacrifice because it does the sacrifice of the name of God doesn't require any particular paraphernalia at all. It doesn't require, as Lord Chaitanya said, there's no hard and fast rules. It requires no paraphernalia. It doesn't require any kind of ritual purity. Prabhupada said you can chant the holy name in the toilet room. You can't worship the deity in the toilet room. No ritual purity, no particular place, no particular circumstance, no particular paraphernalia, anything. You can even chant the holy name in your mind if you can't speak. And the holy name, as soon as we chant the holy name with, with affection, then the Lord appears on the lotus of our heart. Just like we install a deity of, of metal or wood or... or marble, stone. By we have affection, we say, please, Lord, appear in this material element. So with the sound, the sound is also material sound. This was a big question. The prayers by the personified Vedas. But Bhagavatam 2.8.5, as soon as the sound enters the ears, if in the lotus of the heart there's a seat of affection, then the holy name manifests in the heart as the Lord. The way we install the Lord in the Holy Name is with a lotus of affection in our heart. And this is the easiest, most direct means of sacrifice. There are other means of sacrifice. This is not the only one, as Prabhupada says very clearly here. But this is the best means of sacrifice at the present time. It's most, it's most available to us. Of course, we do other means of sacrifice. We do deity worship. Um, we do meditation, we visit holy places, yes? We, we, do, we do so many other means. Uh, we have nine processes of devotional service, 64 hours of bhakti, we do many means of, of sacrifice. But this is our, our most potent and most accessible means of sacrifice. But the essence is still authenticity and sincerity and truthfulness and reality. And if that's not there, 
the externals of sacrifice will only be efficacious after a very, 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 very long time. Just the externals of sacrifice, they have to awaken truthfulness in the heart before they're going to be efficacious. So somehow or other, we call that agyata sukriti. Agyata means unknowing, mm-hmm. in ignorance. So if you're doing the externals of sacrifice, but you're not having the internal truthfulness, the internal essence, eventually you'll build up enough stock of agyata sukriti that it starts to wake up your internal truthfulness. But that may take many, many, many lifetimes. That's not a fast process. But if you start with authenticity and sincerity and truthfulness, then it's a very, very fast process then it can be the matter of just one moment. So we are now at 8 o'clock. As I said, this was a very deep report. I mean, really, yeah. really, really, at, and, and I had, uh, you know, literally 30 seconds to prepare for today's class. I didn't know I was even going to give class today. So uh, I didn't have time to do extra study or, or look at the commentaries of the mm-hmm. Acharyas or anything of that nature, uh, for which I apologize. I, I usually like to have some time to prepare. Uh, and, and I really think that we could we could be discussing. I mean, this is true of any of Prabhupada's purports. This is true of any of any sentence in Prabhupada's book. It's true of any one word in the Bhagavatam. But having said that, I think there's certain statements of Srila Prabhupada and certain purports and certain verses that just lend themselves to this vast ocean of looking into. And what does this mean? I mean, just this one sentence. There are different countries in different parts of the world, and each and every country may have different types of different types of sacrifice to please the Supreme Lord. But the central point in pleasing Him is ascertained in the Bhagavatam, and it is truthfulness. What does that mean? So I think I've just kind of really touched on it very, very, very briefly. I, I don't think I've gone deeply into it at all, and I hope that it's something that we can we can meditate on, and, and that it can inform our lives and, and go into our lives, and to really I- explore what does this mean. What does it mean that the the um, the central point in pleasing the Lord is is truthfulness, and and not to get ourselves too caught up in the differences according to time, place, and, and country and circumstance, to not confuse the the essence with the details, and to really go for what is the essence. Thank you very much.